Hey, welcome to the Resolve Podcast, episode number 35. I'm Carly Tizano, a New Year's resolution coach obsessed with all things goal setting, personal development, coaching, and of course, resolutions. One of my biggest goals is to help you reach yours. I'm here to provide the tools, support, and inspiration you need to reach your goals this year and every year, and to feel supported every day along the way. Today, we're diving into another one of those distinctions that I think is super important, but that I never hear anyone talk about, at least in this way. There probably is someone who has out there, as I've said many times before, but it's not something that I've ever come across, but I think it is so fascinating to dive into and can have a really important impact on the tools that we use and the way that we use them in our lives and on ourselves for different purposes, for different ends, and to help us reach our goals, or in some cases not. So the distinction is the difference between tools and weapons. So the interesting thing about things in both of those categories is that oftentimes they are made up of the exact same things. I know I used this example in my episode last week with Amy Wicks, but you can use a hammer to build your own house, or you could walk over to your neighbor's house and start hitting it with a hammer, and it would take a very long time, but you could tear down their house. Another example would be uh, a chainsaw. You can use a chainsaw to cut down a tree and make firewood so that you can stay warm all winter long, or you could take that over to your neighbor's house and chop it up and probably do a little more harm, at least faster than with a hammer. So tools and weapons, both of those things, a hammer or a chainsaw can be a tool and a weapon. It just depends on how it's being used. And the same goes for many of the personal development and self-help and coaching tools that we use. They can be extremely beneficial when they are used properly. They can be tools to build us up, to help us build the life that we want, to help us become the people that we want to be. But the tools can also be dangerous weapons, especially (laughs) oftentimes when they're in our own hands. Generally people, at least in the self-help and personal development conception, they aren't using tools on us. So we're not too worried about tools or weapons in the hands of others. In this context, we're really just concerned with tools and weapons in our own hands. But for many of us, it is our own hand that brandishes the weapon that keeps us stuck or holds us back or hurts our self-esteem or beats ourselves up when we don't do the thing we said we wanted to do. And unfortunately, many of us are all too familiar with that reality. And what's even worse is that a lot of times the very weapons that we use to do some of that harm to ourselves are the exact same things that we see working so well for other people that they are using as tools to transform their lives, to make it better, to save themselves time, to reach their goals, to earn awards, whatever it may be. But somehow when they're in our hands, they turn into weapons and we're just destroying our lives and our self-concept and our self-trust and it's a disaster. But the best news is that the exact same thing. Of course, there are probably going to be some tools that aren't going to work for you or that may look more like weapons because they aren't actually going to help you build your house or chop it down the tree because that's not what you want to do. (laughs) And that's okay. We just have to have that knowledge and then move forward and find the tools that are going to help us pursue whatever it is that you want to pursue. The old quote, the pen is mightier than the sword also comes to mind. And I think this concept can be applied to both of those things. Both the pen and the sword could be a tool or they could be a weapon. It just depends on the context in which they are used. But if you see a a friend using their pen to write a book and you're trying to use a pen to fight enemies and protect your homeland, like you're probably not going to be doing too well. And the thing that you see them using so well as a tool is not working so great in your hand and you're going to actually be harming yourself because you're probably going to get stabbed by the other guy who has a sword. So that pen is actually not being that helpful. Anyway, we'll get off of weird side analogies now and we'll get back to the core concept. Of course, I can't dive too specifically into your own life because I don't know which 
personal development ideas um, or concepts or methods you might be using in your own life as a tool or a weapon. But I hope that you'll be able to take this analysis and determine which things you may be using incorrectly in your own life and how to better use them or drop them completely so that you are focusing on the tools that are going to be most beneficial to you, helping you build the life and the goals and the person that you want to become. So I'm going to go over a list of different tools and These are great, but they are things that I have seen used as both a tool and a weapon in my own life, in the lives of others. Again, it's different for all people, but these are some of the tools that I want you to keep in mind as part of this discussion as things that maybe you were using incorrectly and there's nothing wrong with that. And maybe you just need to learn to use them correctly or change your expectations around them to transform them from a weapon back into a tool. Or maybe you just need to let them go completely and find something else that is actually going to help you (laughs) build the house slash life that you want. So one of the big tools that I see used as a weapon all the time, all the time is a habit tracker. And it's when you come up with the particular goal that you want to pursue, or more often I would say a list of goals that you want to pursue. And then you track how often you do them, or in a lot of cases, how often you don't do them. And it can be disheartening for a lot of people. It can feel like you aren't acting consistently, even if you really maybe are, because let's say you wanna read five days a week. That means that even if you are reading five days a week, there are at least two days on your habit tracker that you don't get to check off, that you read. And so a lot of times just having that broken streak that you're trying to create can be disheartening and discouraging and can turn the tool into a weapon that then you're using to beat yourself up and say you should be doing something differently or you're not doing it right or you're not making progress or you're not making enough progress or you're not making enough progress fast enough. And it can be a very difficult spiral. But of course, habit trackers can also be great. They help how consistent you are being. They help you understand what you're doing, when you're doing it, how often you're doing it, how often you're doing it in the context of other things, particularly if you're tracking multiple goals at once. (laughs) So you can see maybe, oh, I don't read on the days I go to the gym, but I do read on the days I don't go to the gym that's interesting. How do I want to use that information? Or maybe I do both on the same day and on days that I don't do one, I don't do the other. That's just all interesting information to have. And it's something that you can gain if you use a habit tracker. So that is a great tool that you can use, but it's also something that you can use as a weapon to beat yourself up. To transform it from a weapon back into a tool, a lot of times looks like adjusting your expectations, letting go of those stories that you were telling yourself about doing it wrong or not doing something well enough or hard enough, showing yourself compassion, having confidence that you will ultimately get to the place that you want to go, trusting yourself that you are taking whatever action is necessary. And if you aren't, then figuring out why that is and what other tools you might need in order to make that happen. This is another tool that I generally like better than the habit tracker because I think people are less likely to use it as a weapon than a habit tracker. And it's to count up the total number of times that you've done an activity. So you can use the same method of just tracking a total number or keeping a tally. And you just do it to see how many times this year did I go to the gym? Because when you look back at 365 days of habit tracking of going to the gym, let's be honest, there's probably going to be some white space, whether that's from vacations or the days the gym was closed or those snow days. And there's nothing wrong with any of that, but a lot of times it can be disheartening. And then you turn the tool into a weapon and you beat yourself up. Even if you went to the gym 200 times, which let's be honest, that's a lot of times to go to the gym in a year. That still means that you didn't go to the gym 165 times. So that's not an equal number of white space, but almost. And even though it doesn't make a lot of logical sense to beat yourself up for going to the gym 200 times, for a lot of people, 
it makes sense to beat themselves up for not going to the gym 165 times. And that's probably when we look at it objectively, that's probably not the kind of person that we want to be, but using a tool like that, it can be easier for your brain to make that jump when it sees it all laid out like that in black and white. However, if what you do is you have just tallied and counted the 200 times you went to the gym, then at the end of the year, you have markings that indicate you went to the gym 200 times and you're not necessarily seeing the 165 times you chose not to go to the gym or days where it just didn't work out or for whatever reason you did not make it to the gym. I'm not saying that time counter is better than habit tracker one way or the other, but they are both tools that you can use for your good and for the pursuit of your goals, or you can use them as a weapon because a time counter, you could use it to recognize all the times in which you don't go. It's not quite as helpful in that you can't see the information you get from a habit tracker about what you do, when you do it, that kind of thing. Another tool that's pretty closely related to this idea is the don't break the chain tracker. I've seen these in a number of different contexts. Most of them have a similar name though. And as Heidi and I discussed way back in episode 16, when she came on, we were joking about how don't break the chain is such a long combination of negative words all strung together. (laughs) And it is, it does not, at least to me, feel very compelling or a method that I want to use to pursue my goal. And the idea is you just don't want to break your streak. You want to keep going. So you don't want to miss a single day. You don't want to break the chain. And so a lot of times it's through using a habit tracker slash time counter because you are counting the total number of times that you did the thing, but the entire point is not to have a single day where it doesn't happen. That's another thing that's a great tool. It's also a pretty precarious weapon because a lot of people, if they do break the chain, which as you look ahead to the rest of your life, there is likely a point at some day in the future where whatever the thing is may not get done. And it's so easy then to throw your hands up and completely give up. And it is very difficult for a lot of people to start back up the day after they missed and jump right back into the habit. So it's one that, especially if you had a really long streak or a really long chain built up where it can turn into a very dangerous weapon, I think when you at one point potentially do break it off. Another great tool or weapon that I think is so informative is to use a time tracker and to track your week to see what you do every hour. Ideally, it would be nice to know what you did every minute if you could just look back and see. I know Laura Vanderkam in all of her books, she has people track their time. She has done a lot of time analysis writing and research. She has people track their time in 15 minute increments. And generally, like she says, I think whenever you go to the bathroom, you should come back and write down what you've done since the last time you went to the bathroom in 15 minute chunks, because then you're more likely to remember than you would at the end of the day or at the beginning of the next day. And time tracking is such a powerful tool to help you understand where your time is going. And it can be used in tandem with an exercise like 168 hours, which is another idea by Laura Vanderkam when you take the 168 hours that you have in your week and you break it down into what you want to do with each of those 168 hours, because for most people, when they take out 56 hours for sleeping, which is eight hours a night, seven days a week, and the 40 hours they spend a week working generally, then you're at 96 hours, but that still means you have 72 hours in the rest of your week after working and sleeping to do whatever it is you want. And that's just such an interesting equation and exercise to do, but it's something where people can use either of those tools, either the 168 hours exercise or time tracking to beat themselves up for the way in which they do spend their time already rather than constructively using it to decide how they want to spend their time going forward. Or if they do that, then they can use it to beat themselves up. If they aren't using it, then going forward the way that they had planned to or wanted to. Then of course, we are all familiar with to-do lists. That's another great tool that is so helpful for having a mind dump and keeping track of all the things going on that you need to do, probably in all kinds of different areas. But 
a lot of people have a never ending to-do list and it's something that causes them a lot of stress that makes them feel bad about themselves and can make them feel like they're not on top of their life. And so it's something that can be dangerous or it can be helpful. Gretchen Rubin also has done spinoffs where she's talked about the ta-da list where you talk about rather than things you need to do, you collect a list of the things you have done that you're proud of and want to celebrate. The could-do list, which is for some people who find it easier to think about the things that they could do rather than things that they have to do. The to-be list, which is coming up with the conception of things for the person that you want to be, how they act and behave and think and feel rather than just things that they do. Or the to-day list, which is just the things you need to do today. All of those are just spinoffs of the to-do list, which may be helpful, maybe not. They may be tools, they may be weapons, but it's completely up to you to decide. Closely related is the idea of having a schedule. Some people love having a schedule, knowing what they're gonna do pretty much every minute of every day, and some people absolutely hate it. There is no right, there is no wrong, but there is determining whether you use your schedule as a weapon or a tool, because I generally use a schedule. I don't write it down, but I know in my head what needs to get done when and how much time that's gonna take, which leads us to the next tool that is more what I use, and it's a to-do list slash schedule with time limits. So I know what's on my to-do list for the next day, how long it's gonna take, and then in my head, I have a general conception of the way in which those to-do list items will play out so that I know I can get everything done within the amount of time that lays out before me in a day. But I also know other people who that sounds like the worst and most painful thing in the world. And so for them, it would be a weapon, something that is not going to be helpful and might actually be harmful to them in the pursuit of their goals. And that's okay too. But recognizing the difference or the difference for you is super helpful. I think another tool that gets a great rap that most people love is accountability partners in any or all forms, whether that be uh, a coach or texting someone, going to the gym with a friend, finding a group of people online with common interests, using your Peloton, going to a book club. There are so many different ways that you can find or use accountability partners in your life. But for some people, I think accountability partners aren't their best option. Sometimes they can slow momentum. It can be discouraging for some people to look over and to see someone else doing better or different things. And to then judge yourself in light of that. And of course, all of these things are different levels of work that we can do on ourselves to become more self-confident and to build our self-trust and to become the person that we want to be because the person we want to be probably isn't someone who's looking over at our friend on the treadmill next to us and beating ourselves up because they're going two miles per hour faster than us. But it is important to recognize just which of these tools are helpful or harmful in helping us reach our goals because that is part of it too. And that is part of how we build self-trust and self-confidence is by knowing ourselves, listening to ourselves and using the tools that are going to be most beneficial to us as well. Of course, and then we have physical tools. So I'm not talking hammers and chainsaws here, but we have other physical tools that we use often in pursuit of our goals, like apps or notebooks or bullet journals or planners. I'm not gonna dive into all those individually, but they all come together into the same group of things. And some people love digital calendars, some people love physical planners. There is no right or wrong, but there are tools and weapons. And so determining which of those things are helpful and beneficial to you and which of them are not can significantly help you divert your energy away from spending it beating yourself up or feeling like you're doing something wrong or just trying to make a system that isn't gonna work for you work for you 
when you could take that energy and instead spend it on actual pursuit of your goals or finding or utilizing tools that are going to work for you in your pursuit of those things. Like I said, I think that this is a very important idea. I try not to get too down into the weeds and I hope that you'll take this concept and apply it to you. I encourage you to resolve to find a tool in your life and either use it, use it more or use it better or to let go of a weapon that you find that you are using in your life that isn't actually functioning effectively for you. They have so much power and there is so much potential for them, but I also don't want us to get stuck and overburdened by focusing on things that we should not be focused on when our energy and our efforts would be much better diverted and spent elsewhere because that's what we want. It's not to find the right tools and let go of the right weapons, but to pursue our goals and become the people we wanna be and build the life that we want but those tools and not the weapons are what are going to help us get there. Find your tools, use your tools, let go of your weapons, maybe give them to your friend if they work for them. That's great too, but focus on your life and your goals and whatever it is that is going to help you get there. This week I'm reading Blue on Blue, an insider story of good cops catching bad cops. The idea behind this book really fascinated me as soon as I saw it. I knew it was one that I wanted to read. Super fascinating so far. I find it particularly interesting too, especially because if you watch a lot of cop shows or anything like that, generally IA or internal affairs is the division that the plot has the most trouble with. They're always rolling their eyes and the characters tend to be pretty annoying or frustrating. So it's so interesting to read a book sort of from that other perspective of all of the good that these individuals do and the power that they have, even to apprehend those who we think are acting for our good and for our benefit, when in these cases, they actually aren't. And this week I want to toast the returning of summer. It's so nice to have longer days and sunshine, especially here in the Pacific Northwest. It's something that we never ever take for granted. And I'm so grateful for the turn of the seasons and everything that means for getting to spend more time outside and just the increased vitamin D. That's something that's good for all of us and something that I always seek to take advantage of. So with that, thanks for tuning into the Resolve Podcast. You can follow me on Instagram at Carly Tizano. I would love to connect with you. Don't forget to rate and review. It really helps other people find the show and subscribe if you haven't already so that you don't miss another great episode next week. For the show notes or additional support in reaching your goals, check out carlytizano.com. Until next time, here's to all that lies ahead.